Hello, everybody. It is Christy Denise Bach, and I am here to read another installment of Christy's Kinston Coffee Quest. First off, I just want to say thank you so much for the people who have been reading. This is the first time I've ever done something like this. It's a little more personal when you put your writing out to the world to the people that you actually know and talk to and or visit. So I hope you're enjoying it. I hope it makes you laugh. That's the entire purpose of it, just to bring a little bit of joy with all the crazy we have going on. There's so many videos and stuff on Facebook. They're just so depressing right now. I just want to offer a smile. That's all we're here for. So this is uh, scene four of Christie's Kinston Coffee Quest. One of these days I'm going to be able to say that without, I don't know, tripping over my own tongue. <laughs> I still haven't yet mastered Facebook Live. I think because I go through Zoom, I can't see comments or anything like that. But I do try to respond pretty quickly. Um, so far in the story, what has happened is in this fictional account, it is all fiction, I promise. I woke up and there is no coffee in my house and that that's akin to its own natural disaster in my mind. So I've decided to break the fictional curfew and sneak out and go to get coffee. I arrive at Middle Grounds and I don't have enough money for both bags of coffee. So I get sent on another errand. So here we are picking up on scene four. I'm on my way to Hawk's Nest. Hawk's Nest was less than a quarter mile from Middle Grounds by foot. As I didn't trust myself not to get caught walking down the city sidewalk, I got back into my car. Why did I purchase a burgundy car? It's hard to slink around in the sunlit morning with a loud colored car. Oh, the sun, oh crud. I checked my phone and saw that it was after 7 a.m. That meant I had less than one hour not only to get back home, but be presentable enough to do a video podcast. With extra caution, I checked all the mirrors and put my turn signal on to indicate my departure from the barren road with no other travelers to see my excellent driving practices. The car eased onto the road. Because Kinston had strange traffic patterns, I can never remember which way I was allowed to turn on Queen Street. If I'm going north on Queen, can I turn into the opposite side street? No, wait, no vehicles could cross traffic. I mentally rerouted so that I'd reach a side street. The last thing I wanted to do was to be the only car on Queen Street. Okay, a plan formed and I made a right onto North Street. If nothing else, the building with all the solar panels would shield my car from view, the, from view of any lingering authorities waiting to catch hardened criminals such as myself. It's been an hour since I decided to enter the life of crime, and I'm planning my next caper instead of accepting my initial prize. A heroine would never settle for one bag of coffee when two would solve all of life's problems. What kind of example am I setting for young women in the world? 
My favorite movie heroine is Evelyn Crouch in Fried Green Tomatoes, and Tawanda would go for it. As I passed Mother Earth Brewery, one of the coolest places in Kinston, my car did a thing. It often does things I can't explain coherently to another human to get it fixed. On a regular date, clunks near the front tires whenever I hit a bump. Sometimes when I apply the brakes, it vibrates. Tell that to a southern man with grease on his forehead, a bandana hanging out of his back pocket, and he's going to ask me to bring my husband down or see more dollar signs than my budget would allow. Today's thing was a little different. The car idled hard and then did the car version of an asthma attack. As I stopped at the light on North at Queen, I shut the car off. A cloud of smoke plumed from under the hood and rose into the sky like a volcanic eruption. That can't be good. It took effort, but I fought the urge to throw a temper tantrum and settled for resting my head against the wheel. The sonic boom of the horn added a layer of dirt to the mud pie of my morning. Please tell me that my car did not break down during my flagrant disregard for the law. A siren chirped three times behind me. God wasn't done teaching me the error of my ways. My eyes shot to the rearview mirror. Blue lights lined the top of the windshield and again on top of the car and ran in an intermittent pattern. My criminal career had come to an end before I even got a cup of coffee. Twice in my life I'd been pulled over by the police. The first was for driving the wrong way on a one-way street in Wilmerding. The officer proceeded to guide me to my sister's boyfriend's house. No need to ask me how that relationship turned out for her. The second time I had dead tags and I was driving a coworker home from work. Both times terrified me, but I tend to hold on to my anxiety better when someone's with me. I had no such luxury as I watched the cop get out of his car. His ominous black uniform grew in size in the, in the rearview mirror then in the driver's side mirror until I saw his chest take up the entire plate of glass that stood between us. Every curse word I'd ever heard roared through my mind, but none were strong enough for the horror that rode my spine like a steam locomotive. Pressure built in my ears and my lips went numb. As if I licked the Sahara, my tongue stuck to the roof of my mouth. He tapped on the window and I pressed the button to bring it down. Panic exploded in my chest and the outsides of my vision eroded. The mantra I repeated in my head for moments like this came to my rescue. Temporary. This was temporary. I could survive anything one minute at a time. Everything was temporary because life was temporary. A normal person's mantra was probably short and profound. I had so many areas of my brain fighting for attention that I had to appease all of them at once. The doctors assured me it's not schizophrenia. I have obsessive compulsive disorder and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and a generalized anxiety disorder because you know, I like to do things in threes. Most of the time, these traits work to my advantage and sometimes they blow my life apart and scatter the ashes in the wind. This was clearly one of the ashes to the wind moments. I turned to look up at the police officer who stared at me with a mixture of annoyance and concern. 
It's a look I'm well acquainted with. License and registration. Luckily, Derek must have driven my car last because the documents were clipped to the visor. I pointed to the visor to indicate I was reaching up there. He nodded, and I handed him proof that my car was legally able to be driven. I'm one of those women who carry their life around in a gigantic sack. It started with diaper bags when my kids were little and escalated when I started to carry a laptop around. Usually things just disappeared amongst the cords and chaos that my son affectionately describes as the gaping black hole of life. My heart managed to beat faster as sweat broke out along my forehead and upper lip. Are you all right, ma'am? The officer asked with a hitch of concern in his voice. I did my best to force my lips into a smile. They stretched across dry teeth and felt more like a grimace than a grin. Yes. To focus on anything but the terror growing inside me, I began counting everything. I started with the slats and the vents. There were supposed to be six, but it came to me with one broken. Then I counted all the lights on the dashboard and mentally recited what they did. When I could take a deep breath, I looked up at him. The radio on his shoulder squawked to life with a series of numbers and letters that only made sense to a level of criminal corruption I hadn't yet achieved. Even as I acknowledged that I'd never remember it, I made a mental note to look up police codes if I decided to continue my villainous activities. He pressed a button on the radio and delivered his curt message with precision and handed me my documentation. I'm going to drive by your house the minute I'm done with this call. You better be there. Then he turned around and walked away. At first, all I could do is stare at the Relo building across the street. I had no idea how long it took my heart to return to its regular rhythm. With shaking fingers, I rolled the window back up and put my foot on the brake to turn the car on. The sigh of relief when it started made my toes go numb. And there we have it. That is the end of scene four from Christie's Kinston Coffee Quest. Uh, thank everybody who has been paying attention. And I look forward to seeing you all tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Have a wonderful day.